Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis, mm-hmm. back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's and what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Berkshires to the Sound, from wherever you live in MLB America, this is Inside the Parker. You give us 22 minutes and we'll give you the scoop on Major League Baseball. Now, here's Baseball Hall of Fame voter number 76, Rob Parker. Welcome into the podcast. I'm your host, Rob Parker. And what a great show we have for you today. Coming up. We're going to talk with Jerry Hairston Jr., the former Major League infielder and outfielder. Also, Terrence Moore, an author, longtime baseball writer, who has a new book coming out called The Real Hank Aaron. We'll dig deep into that and much more. Let's go. To lead off, it's getting robbed. And keep him up. Rob's hot take on the three biggest stories in Major League Baseball. Number one. Don't look now, but the Los Angeles Angels knock on. Is this microphone on? Is this working? They're real. I know it's only May, but my goodness. Going into Wednesday night's game against the Tampa Bay Rays, the Angels led the AL West with a 21-11 and record. They have won seven of their last ten. They had the second best record in the American League, only behind the Yankees. Yes, they've been getting hitting and pitching. And Reed Detmer's no-hitter is a perfect example. That's how teams turn it around. 
The Angels have been looking for pitching. And now they have a 22-year-old kid who does that. Those are no-no. They got Syndergaard from the Mets. Otani's pitching well. And, of course, they're hitting. Otani hit his first grand slam. They're well-rounded. They have hitters. They got a little pitching going. I know it's way early, but, man, this would be great. Baseball needs the Angels to be in the postseason and to be relevant with the stars they have. And uh, don't look now. The Angels are worth paying attention to. Number two. Interesting story on MLB.com talking about the biggest disappointment so far in the major leagues. Off the top of your head, you might say the White Sox, they got off to a bumpy start. Or the Reds are terrible after they dumped all their players. The same thing with the Oakland A's. But what was surprising was that executives polled around the league did not pick any of those teams. They picked the Boston Red Sox, and the executives are right. There's no way the Red Sox should be as bad as they've been. And, man, have they been bad. Last year, the Red Sox won 92 games, and they also signed Trevor Story as a free agent. So people expected the Red Sox to be good, but instead they've been scuffling. The Red Sox, they opened up with a uh, 10 and 19 record heading into Wednesday night, but that leaves Boston in last place in the AL East. Imagine that. From having made the postseason a year ago, to being in last place is startling, no doubt about it. And uh, executives around the league have looked at the Red Sox and deemed them as disappointing. They don't look at it. They think the White Sox will bounce back. They don't look at the Reds or the A's and think that they should be better because they shouldn't be. They've been stripped down all their good players. So that's why general managers around the league look at the Red Sox and say they stink. And they expect their offense to continue uh, to struggle and that it's going to be a long season in Beantown. Number three. If you follow history in baseball, and if you're a Yankee fan, you got to feel great. I mean, you got to be ecstatic. You know why? Because when you look at the best 30-game starts in a season in New York Yankees history, and you look at... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's happened nine times. The best 30 game starts. And guess what? All nine times they went to the World Series. So if you're looking at 2022, the Yankees are now 22 and eight after beating the Toronto Blue Jays on Wednesday afternoon. And Tuesday night was typical Yankees. Down three to nothing. Giancarlo Stanton with a three-run bomb to tie the game at three. Yankees were down five to three in the bottom of the ninth, and Aaron Judge stepped up, and he had a three-run bomb to win the game on walk-off fashion, and that's what the Yankees have been. We've been waiting for those two guys to stay healthy and play well. They're mashers. They have uh, some good pitching. 
Um, Garrett Cole's leading the rotation. They're getting uh, contributions from the bullpen. Uh, Glaber's playing well. Just all around, the Yankees are a machine and have the best record in the American League. And of all those nine starts, in the previous eight starts, best 30-game starts, the Yankees went to the World Series every year. The only year they lost was 2003 when they went 23-7 and through the first 30. And here we are, 2022, and the Yankees are off to a 22-8 and start. This has been uh, better than advertised. Here comes the big interview. Listen and learn. Oh, it's so good. Now let's welcome in Jerry Harrison Jr., of course, played 16 years in the major leagues. Orioles, Cubs, Rangers, Reds, won a World Series with the Yankees, Padres, Nationals, Brewers, Dodgers. I'm running out of, uh, I'm running out of space, Jerry, but you played everywhere. 16 years and now, of course, a broadcaster for the Dodgers on Sportsnet LA. How you doing, Jerry? I'm doing great, Rob. How you doing? Doing great, and I do want to talk about those Dodgers off to a nice 20-9 and start, but Wednesday they lose game th- uh, three of a three-game series, so they lose two out of three to the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates. What happened in Pittsburgh? Uh, they just kind of played. I mean, they, they did have an explosion on offense in game two where they scored 11 runs on 15 hits, uh, but the first game and the third game they really didn't swing the bats the way they're capable of it. you got to tip your hat to the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is kind of, you know, when you're playing teams like the Pirates who are up and coming, they're young, energetic, this is kind of like their playoffs. So they're trying to make a name for themselves, and they played uh, with high intensity. They caught the ball. They played great defensively, and they deserve to win the series. The Dodgers didn't play uh, their best baseball, and because of that, they dropped two out of three. How about the Dodgers hitting? I mean, we know they have a great lineup. But the Dodgers, when you look at it, uh, are only batting, uh, the last time I looked was, uh, 238 as a team, which is ninth in the National League, uh, ninth in the major leagues. Why are they struggling with the bats? And is that the concern? Uh, it, it is a concern. And it's still early now. You got to remember that we're, we're in the first, second week of May. You had a short spring training. Uh, obviously you never want to be, around 230 as a, as a team hitting. Uh, you want to be somewhere about 250, 255 as a team, because especially when you have great hitters like the Dodgers, you expect them to be up, up in the upper echelon uh, of hitting. You know, for whatever reason, they're off to, they're off to a slow start. Max Muncy's off to a slow start. Uh, I know he had the elbow issue. Uh, so you kind of figured he would get off to a little bit of a slow start, but hopefully he has a, a monster second half. Justin Turner... Uh, he's starting to swing the bat a lot better now. He historically gets off the slow start. So, you know, you have guys like Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, so much talent in that lineup. You know they're going to get hot collectively sooner rather than, le- rather than later. They're just too good of a team. What about Cody Bellinger? And in Pittsburgh, uh, he had one hit in 13 at-bats and batting average 214. Uh, it looked like he had you know, gotten out of it uh, in the postseason, and, and now it looks like he's back to scuffling. What, what's the deal with Cody Bellinger? You know, I think sometimes Cody gets into ruts where he probably just tries too hard, uh, tries to hit the ball 
uh, drive the ball out of the ballpark a little bit too much. You know, Dave Roberts, the manager, always talks about having different clubs in your bat. You have your driver, you have your seven iron, your pitching wedge, your lob wedge. Use your different types of swings to make sure you make contact. When Cody Bellinger won the MVP, he had a assortment of swings. You know, with two strikes, he was worried about contact. Now when he gets the two strikes, it seems to me like he's still trying to drive the baseball instead of hitting something hard the other way. And hopefully he gets back to that approach. Because a Cody Bellinger hitting 270, 280 with 25 to 30 home runs is a whole lot better than a Cody Bellinger hitting low 200s and, and trying to hit 50 home runs. So, you know, he's so great defensively. Uh, if he realizes, you know what, all I have to do is put a B swing on, meaning just worry about contact, he's going to hit his fair share of home runs. I, I got to admit I was wrong, and I'm going to admit it. I, I said the Dodgers should have moved on from Clayton Kershaw after last year, and uh, he's back with the Dodgers, signed a one-year contract. I thought he was going to go to uh, the Rangers back in, you know, he's from suburban uh, Dallas. But I thought, and here he is, 4-0 with a 1.80 ERA. What is going on with Clayton Kershaw? And, man, has he pitched well. You know, Clayton has so much pride. Uh, He's a guy that will never take the mound unprepared. Now, he has dealt with certain injuries in the past, and he's trying to pitch through it. But for him to be totally shut down this offseason, not picking up a baseball in January, I think it did wonders for his shoulder and arm. He looks fresh. Uh, his body's in tremendous shape. And when he's healthy and he's fresh and his arm feels good, you know he has the makeup and the stuff to get guys out. So now that he's healthy, there's no surprise that he's able to, to get guys out and he's off to a great start. And uh, it's good for Clayton Kershaw, and it's definitely good for the Dodgers. Speaking of Clayton Kershaw, recently he set the record for strikeouts for Dodger pitchers passing Don Sutton, the Hall of Famer. And then the debate started. Who has the, who's the greatest Dodger pitcher of all time? Is it Clayton Kershaw or Sandy Koufax? I have Sandy Koufax. Who do you have? Well, Sandy Koufax is I- I- incredible. I have tremendous respect for him. He's done an incredible things. There's been so many great pitchers. Don Newcomb uh, is one of them. I just mentioned Don Sutton. Don Drysdale. Sandy Koufax. I think, you know, and I, and I will speak for Clayton if, if I can. I know him a little bit. Clayton always talks about he doesn't want to look at you know his career until after he's done pitching. So I will do that for him. I, I'm not going to rank you know where Clayton is as far as the all-time greatest uh, Dodger pitcher until his career is over. Hopefully he has another three or four years, and I'm hoping he has two or three more championships to go with that. Now, if he does do that, I think when it's all said and done, Clayton Kershaw will be the greatest Dodger pitcher in the history of the franchise. Here's the other thing. With the Dodgers, you know, we they have four former MVPs uh, on their roster, just a loaded team. Everybody expects the Dodgers to be there and have a chance at a World Series. But don't look now. The NL West is no cakewalk. And how surprised the Padres coming into uh, Wednesday night, 20 wins without Fernando Tatis playing a single game yet. All the teams in the division are over 500. Even the Rockies have a winning record. Diamondbacks, Giants. Uh, the NL West is the best division in baseball. And this is n- going to be a tough ride, isn't it? It is going to be a tough ride. And, you know, credit to the, the teams in the division. The Rockies made some moves. They got a, 
guy in Chris Bryant, who's won a World Series, knows how to win. Anytime you get a guy like that with a young group of talented guys like the Rockies have, that's going to elevate uh, their team. Uh, Iglesias is a magician at shortstop. That has shored up their defense in the middle. Uh, so they have some talent. And manager Bud Black knows what he's doing. He's one of the best managers in all of baseball. You give him any talent, their team will, will succeed. And then on uh, the other Diamondbacks, their starting rotation has been incredible. They have thrown, uh, I think, one of the best arms out there uh, in Madison Bumgarner. Yes, I'm saying Madison Bumgarner is off to an incredible start uh, to the season. And they continue to do incredible things with their rotation. Anytime you get pitching, you have a chance to win ball games. So this division, along with the Giants, uh, led by Farhan Zaidi and Gabe Kapler, they know how to win as well. So every team is giving themselves a chance to win ball games every single night, and without question, the best division in all of baseball. All right. There he is, Jerry Hairston Jr., of course, the uh, former Major League infielder and outfielder, and, of course, the sports commentator for the Dodgers on Sportsnet LA. Jerry, always a pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Anytime, Rob. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. It's time for the Pocket Protector Central. The analytic numbers you need to know, well, maybe. Anthony Masterson is his name. BS Analytics is his game. What do you got for me, Anthony? Shifts are part of the fabric of the game of baseball, for now. Every team does it, the data supports it, and for every ball that dribbles through an open side of the infield, nine lasers are gobbled up by defenders in unorthodox spots. But what we've seen this year, especially north of the border, has been unusual even for hardcore statisticians. We've seen overloaded infields all the time over the last few years, but we've rarely seen the beer league softball-inspired four-outfielder shift until this year, and no team has employed it more than the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, per analytics guru David Adler, through Sunday's games, the Jays have used 76 plate appearances with a four-man outfield, 26 more than the rest of the league combined. Tampa is second on that list at 23 plate appearances, while the Yankees Orioles, Tigers, and Rangers are the only other teams to even try it thus far. Think about it. If you have empirical evidence that a power hitter, let's say Joey Gallo, who pulls the ball over 70% of the time when he hits it on the ground and sprays his fly balls all around the park, why wouldn't you give your outfield a little extra boost? And with a guy like platinum glover Matt Chapman covering the entire left side of the infield, the Blue Jays, well, they can afford to leave him on an island. Is it working? Well, so far, the Jays are second in the AL with 14 defensive runs saved per fan graphs and second in the AL in StatCast's outs above average metric. However, small sample size caveats do apply. Now, with shifts and whether or not they should be banned, always a hot topic of conversation. The Blue Jays this year are doing something rarely seen in baseball. That ball is. It was a big week in the big leagues. Who's up? Who's up? I don't believe it. Or is it fair? And now, from MLBBro.com, here's J.R. Gamble. For the first time since Giancarlo Stanton was traded to the Yankees following his 59 home run MVP season in Miami, both he and Aaron Judge are healthy and showing what everybody knew they could do in the same lineup. J.R., is it foul or is it fair to say that Judge and Stanton are the most lethal hitting duo in Major League Baseball. Fair. It's a fair ball. The Yankees are 16-1 and when Stanton and Judge Homer in the same game. The numbers speak for themselves. These guys are propane. It took a little while for the injuries to subside and the big boppers to coincide in the Bronx Bombers lineup at the same time. We dreamed about it screamed about it, 
And now it's in prime time. Remember when they hated Stanton? That was just one season ago. He was getting his numbers, but the team didn't win. So many thought Stanton had to go. These New York radio stations, bro, caller after caller, said the Stanton trade was the worst Yankees era ever. He's no baller. And Judge should be happy with 230, Mel. He's injury prone and doesn't like to get dirty. But if we put our emotions aside, past teams weren't constructed for a championship ride. It wasn't Aaron Boone. The pitching was sus. The K's ran amok. Instead of baseball, the front office depended on dumb luck. But now there are locomotive rolling and MLB murderers roll. Judge leads MLB in homers. Stanton's fourth, you know. The pitching is popping. There's more than just Cole. Some small bat, some small ball, some over-the-wall balls. Let's rock and roll. The haters can say what they want. Oh, fudge. The Yankees are back in first place. It's the rebirth of the pinstripes led by Stanton and Judge, the Soul Patrol. When Rob was a newspaper columnist, he lived by this motto. If I'm writing, I'm ripping. Let's bring in a writer or broadcaster, old or new. Now let's welcome to the podcast, Terrence Moore, a friend of mine, the national sports columnist for Forbes.com, a visiting professor at uh, Miami of Ohio. Yes, that university, not the one in Florida. Also a longtime sports columnist for the Atlanta Journal and Constitution. Uh, let's welcome in Terrence Moore. Terrence, how you doing, buddy? Oh, doing quite well, thank you. Great, great to have you on. And we we we'll have you on to talk about your new book that's coming out on May 17th called The Real Hank Aaron. Was was Hank Aaron fake, or what are you going to tell us that we don't know about Hank Aaron? Well, this is 95% fresh stuff. And to start with, uh, I knew Frank, Hank Aaron better than any reporter ever. You know, we talked for 40 years, developed a friendship, and I went from being a 12-year-old baseball fan of Hank Aaron to being a honorary pallbearer at his funeral, which kind of tells you about the relationship. And uh, this book is going to uh, shock a lot of people because besides the racism that he experienced that everybody knows about in the 70s chasing Babe Ruth record, uh, was pretty much as equal to the type of racism he faced inside and outside the Atlanta Braves as an executive for the Braves after his, uh, his playing days were over in 1976. And, and he is a guy that doesn't get as much credit as he should for being a civil rights leader, not only from the sports sense, but from every, every, every other sense that you can possibly imagine. Probably when you, when you talk about the book, um, and, and it sounds like fascinating, was, was Hank reluctant to talk about some of this stuff or did, was he felt comfortable enough to really open up and thought it was important to get this stuff in print? See, and this is one of the myths about Hank Aaron, and I pointed this out in the book. Uh, Hank Aaron always was was looked at, and particularly down the stretch of his life, as being sort of a uh, docile guy that smiled a lot, didn't say much, and so, so on and so forth. Well, no. He was, he was a very outspoken guy, I know, because I was the Hank Aaron whisperer. That's what I called myself. 
whenever he wanted to get something out there in public uh, about his what he thought about baseball and, and, and how it treated African Americans, which is not very pleasant, by the way, uh, he was very bold and outspoken about that. And I know because whenever I would write something that Hank Aaron said of that, that boldness, the down through the 90s and what have you, he would get blasted. People hated Hank Aaron. And it has only been in the latter part of his life that he kind of turned into this sort of like this beloved figure. And I call it the Muhammad Ali thing. I'm old enough to remember, and back in the 60s when I was growing up, people hated Muhammad Ali. I'm talking about white people and black people. It wasn't until Muhammad Ali became docile and harmless in the minds of many that he became beloved that Muhammad Ali in between was hated. Hank Aaron was very much the same thing. And, it's, and I bring this out in the book quite a bit. The other thing about Hank Aaron and, and his career, I, you know, the other day it was Willie Mays' 91st birthday. Yes. And I put out a tweet and it, and I said, one of the greatest who ever played the game. And people were pushing back on me saying, one of, and, and I said, yeah, I said, it's hard for me to, to, bypass or overlook Hank Aaron when I look at his stats and his numbers as a player. Uh, if you took away his 755 home runs, he would still have 3,000 hits. He played 24 seasons, averaged just under 100 RBIs for 24 seasons in the major leagues. And so on and so on when people really look at his numbers. Why do you think people don't really recognize or understand like the numbers, and he was a 305 lifetime batting uh, average guy. I mean, he had a tremendous career. Well, he played in Milwaukee and Atlanta. I mean, it was as simple as that. And plus, he wasn't a flashy guy like those other ones. But I want to tell you something, Rob, and I point this out very clearly in my book. I say it over, over and over again. Hank Aaron was clearly, no doubt about it, the greatest baseball player of all time. You talk about Willie Mays. The argument always comes down to those two. Throughout Babe Ruth, anything prior to April 15, 1947 doesn't count because they weren't playing the best competition because of the, uh, the segregation in, that took place in, in baseball because they weren't, weren't allowing blacks in the game. That, that was, that was the, when Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier on April 15th. So throughout Babe Ruth and all those people, throughout uh, uh, Willie Mays, you look at the stats, Hank Aaron in every single category was better than, than uh, Willie Mays' lifetime. Batting average, home runs, um, run score right down the, uh, down the lines. And here's an interesting stat. People will say, well, Willie Mace was faster than Hank Aaron. You know, they stole bases at exactly the same rate, or something like 77%. So, yeah, he was, and he was very much, a, it was a great fielder. I mean, he had uh, three gold gloves in right field, and uh, Willie Mace won, I believe, 12 gold gloves, but he was playing center field. You know, that's a glamour position, and, and Hank is playing right field that was invented by Roberto Clemente. So, you know, he wasn't going to win a lot of gold gloves there. So, so yeah, they, in, in, in all respects, if you look at it, you've got to say Hank Aaron is the greatest player of all time. Our guest is Terrence Moore. He's the author of the new book, The Real Hank Aaron, which uh, hits uh, stores and online sales uh, May 17th. Um, Hank Aaron... Uh, passed away before baseball was able to honor him because uh you know in atlanta at the all-star game when they moved the all-star game i i, I thought that was uh disappointing that that didn't didn't happen but with the politics and stuff that were going on in it in it in georgia it, it looked like baseball kind of had no choice uh how disappointing was the family just that 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 didn't happen 
Well, Hank would have not want Hank would have wanted it to happen. He, he would not have won the All Star game in Atlanta because they mentioned the politics that involved uh, and, and, and that were going on at the time with the voting, and not only just the voting. You know, here in Atlanta, you know, the Braves still do the hideous tomahawk chop, which is totally embarrassing, which Hank didn't like. Uh, so yeah, he would have been totally against that. And, and Rob, I, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you the biggest thing, at least one of the biggest things I've got going on in this book. I point out in this book something I discovered 40 years ago when I worked for the San Francisco Examiner, and that is that Major League Baseball has purposely been phasing out African Americans, contrary to popular belief. I had proof of 40 years ago. That's when I first met Hank Aaron, and Hank Aaron believes to the day that he died that there was a concerted effort by Major League Baseball to get rid of African American players. And I had the smoking gun back in 19 back in I was going to say 1940. I wasn't around in 1940. But back in uh, 1982, which was a scouting report that Major League Baseball had back then, computerized scouting reports, where they regularly had race on the scouting reports. And they couldn't explain it away. I talked to Commissioner Boy Coon back then about it. And the bottom line was, talking to Hank Aaron, other uh, prominent black players of that day, Joe Morgan, Frank Robinson, right on down the line, even white players and white administrators, they all admitted that Major League Baseball had a quota system and that the way it was working was, back in 1982, it was 18% African-Americans, and they, the prediction was that by the uh, turn of the, the century that the, the numbers would be switched between African-American players and Latin players, and lo and behold, that's where we're at. We went from 18% African-Americans down to 8% right now, and I mentioned that because every step of the way, Hank Aaron talked about this happening, and a lot of people weren't paying attention. <laughs> it goes back to what I said before. Hank was way more outspoken than people give him credit for because they weren't paying attention and they didn't, they didn't want to hear what he had to say. The only thing I'm going to say in, 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 in that, and you, like you say, you, you had information, but we've also, we were the number one minority back then and Hispanics have overtaken us uh, as far as population. So we're not the number one minority Hispanics are. And number two, about 20 years ago, they started outsourcing the jobs to Latin America and to these training, to these camps because they didn't want to pay American lawyers and players bonus babies and all that other stuff. I mean, that, that also has to play into it. Well, well, I mean, th- this would be good for another podcast because it's a, that's more of a surface way to look at it. The way, and what I have in the book, and that's why I encourage people to read the book. I get yeah, in I great wait. detail to explain all of this, and it's pretty clear cut that this very much is the case. And then you take, for instance, um, uh, the, the fact, one of the things that was pointed out in 82, I remember talking to George Foster, former Big Red Machine star, later played for the New York Mets, and he was saying in 82 that the trend was going this way where they were phasing out Major League Baseball, the African-Americans for the Hispanic players, because in the minds of Major League Baseball people, Hispanics were easier to sign or they, 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 were, caught, they would be cheaper and they were less trouble. And I even had white scouts, also white executives, say the same thing back in 82. All right. And that we, we, is one of the reasons that we're in the mess we're in today. Along those we, lines. We, we definitely will take this up in another podcast after I read your book. I'm definitely interested. Again, the book is called The Real Hank Aaron. Pick it up. Where can people pick it up, uh, Terrence? Barnes & Noble and also Amazon.com as we speak. There it is. The Real Hank Aaron. And uh, written by Terrence Moore, longtime baseball writer. And again, you can check him out. He's the national sports columnist for Forbes.com. 
and a visiting professor at uh, Miami of Ohio. Uh, Terrence, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you. Thank you. Now bring in the closer. Track one. Track two. Track three. Here's why MLB is better than the NFL or NBA. And it isn't even close. Reason number 459 why baseball is better than the NBA and the NFL is because of guys like Reed Detmers, who had a no-hitter in just his 11th start in the big leagues. The rookie left-hander no-hit the the Tampa Bay Rays, an unbelievable game, a 12-0 win by the 22-year-old and you can't, when you go to a baseball game, you never know what you're going to see. Even as a baseball fan, that's what's so great. A guy like this can come out of nowhere and pitch a no hitter. It's not like these things happen every day. And I don't know if there's anything you could go to at an NBA game or an NFL game and say, man, I never saw that or I never experienced that. But baseball, you do have that. And, and that's what we're talking about, like a no hitter. And going there on, uh, can you imagine a, a Tuesday night, you know, in Anaheim, hanging out, and this 22-year-old kid pitches a no-hitter, something you'll never forget. I've been covering baseball for 36 years, and I don't think I've seen more than two or three in my entire career. That's how infrequently they happen, and that's how special they are. In the words of New York TV legend, the late Bill Jorgensen, thanking you for your time this time until next time. Rob Parker, out. He can't get it. This could be an inside to Parker. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-course, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. 
Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.